Amen. Praise God. I asked Pauline and the team to sing that song this morning, Old Things Have Passed Away. That's the title of the message. Old Things Have Passed Away. And so I want to read this morning from 2 Corinthians 5.17. If you've got your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone would like a Bible... You don't want the Chinese one unless anyone can read Mandarin. But we have Bibles here. I've, I've boxes of Bibles. If you need a Bible, please come and take one. If you do not have a Bible, come and get one. Put it next to your favorite armchair or wherever it is you go, take it with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The Amplified Version says, if anyone is grafted in, connected to, joined to Jesus Christ by faith in Him as their Savior, He is a new creation. He's a new, he's a new thing. He's been reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral state that we were in, the previous spiritual condition that we were in has passed away, because you're a new thing now. The old spiritual state, whatever spiritual state that was, has passed away, and behold, new things have come, because spiritual awakening brings new life. Amen. So, what is it, and some of you may be sitting here today, and I know Bear with, bear with us. Pastor, we've heard these sermons lots of times. We know these scriptures, but there are people in this place that have not heard these scriptures. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And we, I, I don't know about you, but I'm, sometimes I'm dumb. I need to hear things over and over and over again until eventually the penny drops. I heard a message yesterday by Pastor Jensen Franklin, and I'd never, he just put an spirit an angle on the scripture that I never knew, and it just made a huge difference to me. So to be in Christ, what is it? To be in Christ is for a man to be united with Jesus by having faith in him. But I have never seen Jesus. Faith is the evidence of things. Hang on. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's this, so faith is a substance, an actual substance. And so we're united with Jesus by faith and by baptism. And Romans tells us that. Romans, I'm just going to read quickly through it. Romans chapter 6 from verse 1. What shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Thank God for his grace. By no means, No. We are those who have died to sin, so how can we live in it anymore? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That's the baptism we're talking about. The old things have, have actually died. They've passed away. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father we too may live a new life, a resurrected life. Resurrected. For if we have been united with him in death, so if we identify with Jesus 
having died for us, and we say, I'm going to believe what you say, Lord, and I'm going to let my old life pass away. It's going to be in the tomb, and it's going to stay there, but my recreated spirit is going to rise up again, and I'm going to be a new, I'm going to be a new creation. Um, for if we've been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified. Now that, get this image in your mind. Our old self was crucified with him. So that the body that was ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be a slave to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And sometimes we, you know, sometimes the, God's people did not want to leave the bondage they were in. They wanted to, it was better, we're be, we were better as slaves. But God says, you don't need to stay a slave. There's a new thing for you. So it says, if, so if we go to verse 7, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone lays hold of, if you claim it, Claim what Jesus died to give you. All you have to do is receive it. It's there. It's like a Christmas present under the tree. I didn't have to tell my wains to claim their presents. When they, when they got up, at, thankfully, we were fortunate. We, weren't, we didn't have any of the 4.30 a.m. brigade, but when they got up, they were like, we didn't, the gifts are there for you, kids. That's yours. We love you. We love you, and that's there. This is your day. We want to bless you. Jesus died so that we could have the gift of new life. Amen. So, if we think of ourselves as part of a culture, I'm, I'm a Scots guy, being around the world a wee bit, or you think of yourself as some particular race or religion or faith, we have to renew our minds to the fact that when we are in Christ, and this is, I, I, I don't know if I'm right in saying, but you're joining the heavenly race. You're becoming identified with a new family, God's family. It doesn't mean to say I'm any less Scottish or you're any less Tasmanian or English or whatever the case may be. It just means that we have been connected through Christ. We've been connected and grafted in. And I think I heard Francis one time talking about that grafting in process, and it was really interesting how they graft a new branch into the tree. Um, maybe Francis will, tell, will have, bring us another uh, message one time and explain that again. And so, um, so we've been connected. And the markers for this new thing. It's not your skin color. It's not your natural language. It's not anything like that. It's coming into Christ and identifying with God's kingdom. And you, you begin to operate in the currency of the kingdom and the language of the kingdom, which is faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these being love. The currency of the kingdom being people, souls, nothing else to do here, actually, if you're a Christian, than to um, share the good news of what God has, has done for you. So, the sign that you have, the sign that you've come into Christ is that all things have passed away and all things have become new. Amen? Okay, so here's another scripture in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. 
And this is from the Berean Bible version, and I don't think our guys have got it, so I think we're just going default, New King James. The Berean Bible version, chapter 3, verse 1, remind the believers to submit to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and ready for every good work, to malign nobody, and to be peaceable and gentle, showing full consideration to everyone. For at one time, we all identify with this, at one time, we were too foolish, disobedient, misled, and enslaved to all sorts of desires and pleasures, living in malice and envy, being hated on and hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not by the righteous deeds we had done, but this is the Spirit He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, so that having been justified by His grace, we would become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. Emphasize these things so that those who have believed God will take care to devote themselves to good deeds. These things are excellent and profitable for the people. So Titus 3.5 tells us that we're saved not of anything we could do, but we're saved by grace through faith. Amen? That's how we're saved. And we're born again. We're reborn. And we all, most of us know the story about the man who said to Jesus, what do you mean being born again? Do I have to get into my mom's womb again and be born again? It's, the, it's being your heart is born again. You're renewed. You, as a result of that, you're led into the new creation experience you become a new creature. And who is the agent of all this change? What makes it happen? Or should I say, who makes it happen? The Holy Spirit. He's the agent that changes us from an old thing into a new thing. Amen? Amen. So, <clears throat> when, if you, no matter what you are, Jew, Greek, Gentile, I'm using biblical uh, language now, but whoever you are, Scots, English, Irish, Welsh, whoever, when you're born again, then the old things of this life, whatever philosophies you grew up with, whatever mindsets that you grew up with, and I'm telling you, west of Scotland, there's a lot of stuff gets passed down generation to generation that is not healthy. And the, it's, it's, I mean, we do, you could probably just say that our wains get indoctrinated by their folks and indoctrinated into hate, into division, into sectarianism, into the, the, they are brought up around drugs and alcohol, and it has an impact on our kids, and all sorts of things are going on. Isn't that right? And so all of these things, patterns of thought, my dad always used to say, you know, a, a great illustration, it's like crabs in a barrel. Sometimes you're staying a wee tune in the valley, and it's like, no, oh, so you think you're going to do this, that'll be right. And the crab, whenever one crab tries to climb out the barrel, the other crabs pull it back down. And all you need to do, well, it's a bit like Toy Story, remember that? <laughs> With, trying to come out of the, out of the, the vending machine let me go. And, and, but you can, you can get a world, things that people aim for in this world, worldly standards, 
oh man, you've got you've you've to do this. When you leave school, you've got to go to university and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And it's like that's, people fall into this mindset, well, that's just what you do. But what is the Lord telling you to do? What is, what is the Lord telling you to do? He might put you on a boat somewhere or a plane somewhere, or he might have you down on the street corner outside the, the, uh, the Howgate speaking to folk. He might have you making soup in the heat hub. He might have you doing whatever. Amen? And so it doesn't mean to say that you should not have aspirations, but many are the plans of a man's heart, but the Lord orders his steps. Submit our plans. Before we go into 2024, take all your plans and say, Lord, I'm going to just put them at your feet first. Speak to me and let me know. Can we try and fit God into our plans instead of fitting into his plans? Yeah. And so these things, when we are born again, all of these things pass away as well. All of those things. Amen. So when Paul was writing Corinthians, the book of Corinthians, he was probably maybe thinking back to Isaiah. Do you know the book of Isaiah, the prophet? And so in Isaiah chapter 43, chapter 18, let's go from 16 quickly. It says, the Lord says, thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through mighty waters, hallelujah, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. Well, who do you, what do you think he's talking about there? It's the Egyptians, isn't it? The Egyptians coming after his people. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished and quenched like a wick. God took care of that. Do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We were, uh, I don't know when it was, maybe yesterday we got back from my nephew's wedding and Lawrence of Arabia was on the TV. And I've never seen that. I've managed to watch a couple of classics this season that I've never seen before. And you look at a desert, you walk on that desert, man, it's like walking in South Africa, we used to walk on dry riverbeds in the Kruger National Park, and, and the soil would crackle under your feet, it was so dry. And God says, I'll make rivers in the desert. He'll turn that around, he turns barrenness into productivity. I'll make rivers in the desert, I'll make a road in the wilderness. You know, it's like you look at the wilderness, how am I going to get through that? He'll make a pass. He will make a pass in through the wilderness. And so um, he says, the beasts of the field will honor me and the jackals and the ostriches because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people. So if he's chosen you, he's going to supply for you. If he's chosen you, you will. There'll be manna in the morning. Like you wake up and like, where's my, where's my bread you know, he'll give us our daily bread. He'll give us manna in the morning. Amen. And he wants you to stay in the place where you get your bread. If anyone did listen to that wee message, when you, Bethlehem means the city of bread, place of bread, I think it means. But if you head off when there's no bread in Bethlehem during famine to go and find it, but then find that where you go, you're worse off, and then the place that's in famine has bread again, 
then, you know, so basically he was talking about sowing during famine, staying where you are. It might look like there's very little or there's lack, but if we sow during famine, he will provide for us. But we keep on looking away, looking out. I'm going to go. Whereas he said, no, I want you to stay where you are. Stay where you are because I'll provide for you there. Yeah, so don't move. Um, uh, <laughs> God created the stars, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and he put them all in their place, and they haven't moved since. He created all the animals and the fishes and the birds of the air, and they do their thing. And then he created people, and they wanted to leave. <laughs> so there's the garden for you. It's a beautiful garden. You stay there. And you just follow my commandments and we'll walk together in the, uh, oh, can you picture it? And then, no, we are going to go out. So everything else works until we come, it comes to people. <laughs> yeah, but, but these people have been formed for him. They shall declare my praise. So all... Oh, consider not, where are we? Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Why? Because there's more to come. There's much more coming. Because of Jesus, Gentiles were included in God's kingdom. We could be saved and redeemed. Even now, God is calling the Jewish people back to Israel. His, his sinners are being saved. Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, and all of the, these people, whatever other faith persuasion, are being one to Jesus Christ. But still greater things remain. Consider not the former things, nor remember the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing, new wine. New, a new year, perhaps... This year, perhaps tonight on the eve of New Year, we all sit down and we contemplate this year. Perhaps this year, we won't be so quick to make vain resolutions. I'm just going to put it that way. And we might say, you know, what really matters? What really matters is when you can give someone a hug who's lost their sister. Or you can be with people who don't have much and they need help. You know, and, and I, think, I think that's the thing. We need to remember, Lord, what's the important things that we need? Amen. Verse, saying is not, verse 18 is not saying that we will completely forget what God's done for us because he's done amazing things for us. Amen. But it's going to be superseded by even greater things. Amen. So, hallelujah. And the anointing for that is new and it's fresh and it's going to be released, amen? Visions and dreams, things unseen, things as yet undreamt, but the Holy Spirit lingers and he hovers and he waits and he will, when we are receptive, he will give, he will release when we are receptive. He will release Sometimes if we can get some things shifted out of the way in here, he will release. Amen? And so he's available to us. Like Pauline said, if we would just take the time to wait in his presence, 
things will turn around. Amen? So all of you have this unique relationship with the Lord, I believe. He created you unique and as an individual. Even if you're twins, you're individuals. You are not, you're, you may look, I tell you what, you may look the same, but you're not the same. And so, you know, um, so everyone has been designed with a purpose. The, 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 that's the biblical worldview. The, the world's view is different. Some people, it's fatalism. You have no choice. You're just, life is going to happen. You have no control over it, and it is going to take you where it's going to take you. That's not true. There's one word in God's word that crushes that concept of fatalism. One word can do it. Because fatalism says that you have no choice. You're, like, you're just going to end up where you're going to end up. But God's word, there's one word, that's, and it is the word repent. And repent means change direction, turn around. So you're not on that direction anymore. You're now in God's, you're on the path that God has for you. Amen? So this year, ask God to strengthen you. Ask him to give you fresh vision. Amen? Ask him, if you don't have a vision for your life, ask him. Believe that he will answer you. If you ask him, he will answer. Amen? If you ask him sincerely, he will answer. And we have a vision to bring a message of faith, hope, and love, but what's the vision that God's putting in your heart? What's the vision that he's giving? If you feel lacking in direction, if you're aimless, discouraged, depressed, lacking in joy, maybe we need to remember Christ first, Jesus first. The acronym for joy, J, Jesus, O, others, Y, you. Jesus first, others next, us next, if we're lacking. I know this. If we don't believe, if we don't truly believe that Jesus Christ is Lord over our lives and we have, haven't let go of the steering wheel yet and given it to him, if we don't believe that, we will never comprehend what God's will is for our lives. And we will grope around in the darkness trying to find the way ahead. So that's, I know that sounds heavy, but you know, if something needs, people make New Year's resolutions, but if something needs shifted, maybe to, later on today is the time to shift it. Amen. What does it mean to put Jesus first? To love him, to trust him. Amen. To trust him enough to let him guide us. Amen. To sacrifice our preferences sometimes. Yeah. But we're more blessed for sacrificing what we prefer. We're more blessed because of that. You know, I'm quite a stubborn person sometimes, you know, and sometimes we stick to the same old format or the same old ways that things have been done. This year, I believe some of the stubbornness is going to get shaken out of me and Ellie. Anyone else putting their hand up? Yeah, you know, God wants to help us, but sometimes we get stuck in, in religiosity or churchianity, if that's a word, churchianity, you know, but he wants to help us, but we want to say it's like wanting to swim, learn to swim, but I don't want to get wet. If you want to swim, you're going to get wet. If you want to be baptized in the sea, 
you're going to get wet and cold. So if you want to learn to swim, you have to get wet. So this year, instead of trying to fit God into our plans, why don't we try and fit into his plans? Amen. And so, like I said earlier on, he has a plan for us. We're, sometimes it's like Pastor Jensen's message. We're looking to try and look for an exit wherever we can. Oh, but this might be a better way. Or this, this is another way. Oh, I've got no, I've got no, I've, I'm confused. As soon as you're confused, then you have an absence of peace. And then you know that you should not go down that road. You should stay, amen, until God gives you the vision. Vision is simply discovering your purpose which leads to having goals, which leads to, which leads to seeking direction to fulfill the purpose. Yeah? So what do we... Purpose, goals, direction leads to fulfilling purpose. Amen? And we know the word says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people sink to an inferior position. Where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Where there is no vision, life grinds to a halt, and you can end up being depressed. I was reading, I didn't buy the paper yesterday, but I was in buying some um, juice last night, and the Glasgow Herald was in the co-op, front page of the Glasgow Herald. People with normal human emotions are being prescribed drugs, medications, like because they're sad. Sadness is a normal human emotion. There are so many normal human emotions that the Lord knows us. He designed us. We're emotional people. We're emotional people. Some people, was it, my, 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 my bladder's too near to my eye, you know? Just, you know, we're emotional people, but so many people are not coping, and they're being prescribed psychotic drugs or opioids or antidepressants because the first sign of, of emotion, I'm not, oh, I'm supposed to, you, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Am I happy all the time? I'm not happy all the time, I have to confess. I'm not happy all the time. But there's something deep inside me that knows it's okay. It's okay. And, and, and there's lots of things that are not, are not just the way I would prefer them to be. So that these things are happening. And so um, I believe that, I don't know why I got onto that, but a lot of people are in positions they don't want to be in. They're in a job they don't want to be in. They're in a family situation they don't want to be in. There's friction with someone, a best friend or something like that. They're in an organization that they don't want to be in. And if you ask them, well, why? They'll say, well, the money's good or there's lots of overtime or everything. I get some perks, the holiday's good, but they don't want to be there. They don't want to be there. They're marking time. And people are just marking time, hoping for a break. But if you have a vision in your heart, you can stop marking time. And the thing is, when, you, when God gives you a vision, gives birth to a vision in your heart, the same thing, at the same time, self-worth is birthed. All of a sudden you feel, I'm here for something. I'm here for a purpose. Amen. And so, you know, he knows you. He knows you by name. If you ask him for vision, he will give you a vision. 
I was speaking to my dad. He's preaching a message on vision today. It's a different one to this. But Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2 is what he's talking about. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. And the other day, my dad said to me on the phone, he says, If you don't have a vision for your future, you'll remain in your past. And so many people just remain in their past because they don't have a vision for their future. Amen? And a vision is something that God gives. He will give it to us. Amen? And all we've got to do is look. Jeremiah 1, the Lord said to me, look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah replied, I see a branch from an almond tree. And the Lord said, that's right. And it means that I am watching and I will certainly carry out all of my plans. What do you see? The word there is ra. That's the word. What do you perceive? What do you have a vision for? You know, as we wait on the Lord, just like Pauline said, and we actually a few uh, weeks ago, I, I think one of the, my messages was on waiting. Waiting. If we wait on the Lord, He will reveal our part in His purpose for our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Ah. Amen. God is good all the time. You know, we strive a lot as people, always striving. A lot of us are striving to do things that we were never actually meant to do. We're just, you know, I just seem to, you know, my dad got me this job or I ended up here or a friend, you know, and, and, or we find something. We say, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to do my best. We strive for things that we're never meant to do. And people lack fulfillment in their lives. And um, I believe God wants to fulfill your life, the desires of your heart. Some people have an inferiority complex. God will sort that. Some people have a superiority complex. God will sort that too. And in fact, that's, that's the one that we've got to be most careful of. And, um, you know, remember that there's someone we can follow and imitate. I think it was Paul that said, I, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It was someone we can look to and we can have a vision to move in a direction that we need to go. And so we need to keep on going. If you're felt weary after this year, striving or running or whatever, it's time to go again. But we don't strive for a medal that's going to get rusty and corroded. We strive for a medal that never tarnishes. It's everlasting. The people in this world with worldly aims and ambitions, they strive and aim for medals or accolades that pass away. They won't last. You can't take them with you. But when we run God's race, we go for a medal that never, will never, will always be there. Will always be there. So we, I know that we're going to take inventory of our lives. We, you know, and if you, ha I've been doing it for weeks. I'm like, Lord, I know this isn't, this is broken, it needs fixed. Lord, this is broken, it needs fixed. Lord, this is broken, it needs fixed. And, and when, we, when we submit, when, when I submit and I say, Lord, I don't have the wisdom to fix this, but your Holy Spirit does, then he will. And he'll bring us into, I'm just speaking my heart now, that he'll make this church so connected, so like, you won't divide me from my friends. You won't divide me from my church family. And, and we'll know, we'll have wisdom when we speak. 
we say so many throwaway things that we don't understand how it impacts other people. One word can create a ripple effect that can do so much damage, but grace. Have grace. Be gracious to people. <laughs> I know that sometimes it's easy to have a short fuse. Peter did. Paul did. Moses did. They had a pretty short fuse. But you know what? I mean, think of Moses. You know, he was, Moses was in perfect health at 120 years old. 120. Amen, Jan. Amen. Amen. Amen, Beth. Amen, John. Amen. Amen, Alex. Amen, Brian. Amen, Jim. And fr Amen, David, Linda, Lewis. 120. Three score years and 10. God can, we can exceed that. With purpose. With purpose, you can go on for as long as you, uh, until God says you've done it. You've, you've run the race. Come, come on home. Come home now. And then we go home. But don't, don't do yourself out of God's vision and purpose for your life. Has anyone heard of the guy, Victor Sebrianov? He was 15 years old and he went for an IQ test and he had um, an IQ of... Uh, 161. And to qualify for Mensa, you have to have an IQ of 140, right? At 15, his teacher told him to leave school, go and get a trade. You'll be no good at anything. And he went for 17 years and he became a tradesman for 17 years until he was 32 years old. And then he discovered that he had an IQ of 161. He later became the president of the Mensa Society, began to write books and all of this type of thing. And I asked the question, how many Viktor Sebrianovs are walking out there today? People who have immense gifts, immense talent, and somebody told you, just go and be a whatever. Um, I, 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 my dad went, we went to South Africa as an immigrant family and my dad was a crane driver, a construction plant operator until a wee Irish fellow one day came up to him and said, he does the accent better than me. Now, now, Bernie, I think you could do far better than this. And my dad, for something inside him, that must have been, that was probably the, <laughs> the Holy Spirit setup because it was at that moment that someone showed a little bit of belief in my dad. And that turned his life around. It wasn't always easy, <laughs> anyone who knows my dad. <laughs> but that turned his life around. And then he went on to operate his own business. And um, we were all blessed as a family. And so we thank God for the Holy Spirit comes in and changes things around. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, for future content, please subscribe. And if anything spoke to you or was relevant to you, please leave a comment. If you want to find out more about the church, how to support the ministry or connect with us, then go to bridge-church.com. So until next time, thank you for joining us and goodbye.